you may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car has been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Kowalski. Occupation, driver. Transporting a supercharged Dodge Challenger from Denver to San Francisco. Background, Medal of Honor in Vietnam. Former stock and bike racer. Former cop, dishonorably discharged. Now he uses speed to get himself up. To get himself gone. Everybody's after Kowalski. For one reason or another. Is there something I can do for you? Well, like what? Like anything you want. Everybody wants a piece of his hide. Maybe kill somebody. Maybe stole that big dude of his. Maybe both. They want to get him and put him away. But they'll have to catch him first. Being chased by the blue, blue meanies on wheels. The vicious traffic squad cars are after our known driver. The super driver of the Golden West. The police numbers are getting closer, closer, closer to our soul hero in his soul mobile. They're gonna kill him, smash him, rip the last American hero. It's the maximum trip at maximum speed. Vanishing point. Set the way back machine. Yes, sir, Mr. Peabody. Hey, sports fans. Peter Brock here from BRE Racing and Aerovault Trailers. Listen to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, the best automobile show in the Southeast. Welcome, you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'm your show host, Robert. Jeez, <laughs> uh, I goofed that one up, didn't I? All right, let's try the open door. <laughs> Listeners, welcome to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'm your show host, Robert. Right on your computers at googletadtalk1340.com. And you can see me live in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our shows, don't forget to check out NostalgicRadioandCars.com. That's where we store, and we save, and we archive all our shows. You almost had it there. Uh, 
he came down a little too much. Right. But no big deal. And that caught me off guard because I'm going, wait a minute, wait a minute. And you know, it's it's funny how your mind just thinks. You know, yeah. you just because yeah, it's, it's kind of like a song. You ever listen to a song and you know the rhythm and you know the beat, and then you go someplace and somebody's playing that song and they're off, and you're like, wait a minute, I, I can't, I can't, I can't dance to this. I can't follow this. I can't. Somehow this is not right. But it but, makes me ask one big question. What's that, that question? That is not what we program here. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so yeah, you're tuning into Nostalgic Weighted Cards. We've got a good show for you now. We have another special guest coming on. There's a couple of major, some pretty good events coming up. We've got the, uh, obviously, uh, if you want to find out what's going on in Florida, don't forget to check out flacarshows.com. There's a lot of good stuff coming on. And then uh, the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix is going to take place in a couple of weeks. And I've never been to that, and I'm contemplating that. And that's a 10-day event. But what kicks the event off is also a vintage event, a vintage racing event, and that is the Shelby American Automobile Club. Uh, They're involved in the um, vintage races up there in Pittsburgh at a racetrack, and it's called SAC 48. So that's a 48th Shelby American meet. Now, 48. Okay, so the first one I went to was in 19... Uh, 77 in Hershey, Pennsylvania. That was considered SAC 2. Okay, so that means 76 would have been the first one. So that means 2025 would be the 50th. And I'm not sure where that's going to be. And um, so anyway, for all you Shelby guys, if you can make it up there. Now, I miss Carlisle this year because I wanted to go to the all four Carlisle show. And that then something came up and I just had a scheduling conflict. So... Any rate, but the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix sounds very, very interesting. And of course, I love vintage races. You know, somebody asked me the other day, and we were talking about cars as dealers. And it's harder and harder to buy a car as an independent. In the old days, I would go to, a, let's say, a, a dealership or something like that. I'd go to the wholesale manager, used car sales manager, and they'd say, Yeah, we got about 10, 15 cars on the lot. Go pick one up, put an offer in on it, or a bid. You know, we used to do like sealed bids, and, uh, and you get a car. But back in the day, if a car had an issue, you know, it might have been a few hundred bucks, 500 bucks, 600 bucks to fix it. You know, air conditioning, alternator, electronic, minor electrical stuff or something like that. AC, which is huge in Florida. And uh, and today, that's just not possible anymore. You go to a, a, a dealership today and you say, hey, look, I, because with all the consolidation going on, you know, consolidate, consolidation, consolidating with all the dealerships. You know, there's not that many mom and pops anymore. Not that much mom and pop stuff anywhere, really. I mean, when it comes to mm, bigger businesses, franchise-oriented stuff, you know, things like that. Anyway, um, today, you know, if you want to buy our cars, go to the auction. Our cars will be sitting at the auction waiting for you to buy. Problem is, is now they're totally a mystery car. Because you really can't check them out at the auction once they're there. You just have to assume. And then, so the smart thing to do is to kind of research a little bit and say, all right, so if you're going to speak, you, you almost have to specialize. Like we always used to say, the niches, the riches are in the niches. So you got to kind of find something that's, you know, like I like 2000, for all you listeners, 2000 and 2007 Ford F-250s. Diesels, both 7.3s and 6.0s. So I kind of try to stay on top of those, but mostly I like trucks. And the reason I like trucks is because 
trucks mainly you sell to guys. You say you sell them mainly to uh, you know they need them for work, or they're gonna you know soup them up and and beat on them and have fun and break them and fix them again and soup them up and fix them and change them and do all that other kind of fun stuff, just like we do with hot rods, so to speak. So trucks you're, is a pretty safe bet, but they're not cheap to fix either. You know, I mean, you know, you can get in a fuel injection injectors for a seven three are like three hundred dollars a piece. You know, injectors for a 6.0 are like $180 a piece, and you need eight of them because there's eight in there. And then there's wiring harnesses, and there's all this. So you're going to end up with a couple, two, three thousand dollars $3,000. So you got to buy the vehicle right. If they don't run right. So you have to do your homework, and you have to know what you're buying. And I'm using this as an example. So in case you're listening and you have a 2000 to 2007 Ford F-250 diesel four-wheel drive that you're thinking about selling, I might be your player. But anyway, so that's that's kind of my thing. And But, you know, the newer the cars, there's more computers, more this, more that. And it's just, you know, you can make, and, and there's not a lot of margins in these cars. Now, if you're a buy here, pay here, or what they call an accounts receivable lot, AR lot, well, <coughs> you'll make your money on financing, you'll make your money when you repo it, and you're making money on financing again and insurance and all the other gobbledygook crap that they sell people that they flim flam flim flam people on i don't do that i might as well just straight up sales so anyway but you know i do one sell one buy one fix one sell one that's and i have an f-250 right now it's a 99 stripped out a little bit it's got a lot of miles on it but it's kind of a cool truck and i will be posting that on my facebook page anyway let me just cough for a second here because <coughs> i have a fog in my float and i probably should drink some water that's why i have the water bottle here but at any rate so, uh, so what did we do this past weekend? Well, you know, every weekend I try to do something different, and I try to tell you guys about it. So last weekend, uh, Peter, my good buddy from Fast Lane Travel, if you're interested in doing driving tours to Europe, we do that. So check out FastLaneTravel.com. But we also do some stuff here in the United States. And I've got a couple that we're working on, and I'll probably talk about those next week. But uh, one of the things we did is there's a new private driving motorsports club or private motorsports club that opened up in that's opening up in Auburndale, which is Lakeland, basically. And it's called Circuit Florida. So we went over there, and we met the owner, and I'm going to have him on the show here in a couple of months when they get closer and closer to their opening, to grand opening day. And uh, so basically, it's a 1.7-mile course designed by a professional race car driver slash professional road course driver. And he's done some pretty um, well-known ones around the country and around the world, evidently. And uh, so they were; it's in its infancy stages. So right now they got the clubhouse and their service center built, and they got one condo complex which has four units in it built. And then they have a private track. So then there's obviously you buy a condo in there, and you can buy a membership in there, and then you have access to the track 170 or 200 days out of the year, which is pretty cool. And, uh, and they staff it with safety crews and things of that. And uh, so it's pretty neat. So that's kind of, you know, the country club uh, motorsports thing is kind of grabbing or taking off here a little bit because we have the Enclave, which is over in Tampa. And um, and they're popping up all around the country here. And they're not cheap, you know. I mean, the memberships are, you know, seven dollars $80,000 a year. But keep in mind, somebody's got to take care of that track. So we'll get into that because when we get Paul, the developer, on the phone, he'll tell us all that stuff. On that note, I think... Matt is going to cue up a song, and then we'll kind of come back for a second or two, and uh, we might play another song. I don't know. We're going to play this one now. This one is uh, one of my favorites, Badge. No, not yet. Um, this is Badge by Kareem. Well, you know what? Yeah, let's uh, just go ahead and play Badge right now real quick, and then i gotta, I got to think for a minute. All right. And uh, But anyway, you so. Can t- you can tell Bob's engine's starting to overheat. My, my, you can see the steam well, coming yeah, out. I, is the radiator steaming? I mean, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Is, is, is it coming? Shh. 
It looks that way. Does it look that way? Okay. Well, anyway. All right. So you're tuned into Nostalgic Random Cars. Here's a little cream. Is it? Is this cream? Clapton? Cream? Cram? Anyway, the name of the song is Badge, and it's been around since... I guess the late 60s, but it was it made a resurgence in the 70s, and I used to listen to it all the time in my Mighty Cougar back then and my uh, my Phillips radio and cassette player that I had back in the day. So you tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and uh, Matt is going to drop the needle in the groove, man. And it's your your old radio buddy, Bob. No, I'm not Bob. Well, actually, I have an alias, and it's called Boneyard Bob. But we don't use that. I'm just Robert, your well, show host. Well, well, now everybody knows you're Boneyard Bob. They're gonna keep an ear out for it. Yeah, they're gonna keep an ear out for it. Well, somebody started that because, and I don't remember how it started, but I had this. I was um, rooting around in a scrap pile because I used to be in the wrecking our business. And when you, what's bad about that is it's hard to get rid of anything because you're just like, oh, that's, I, might ha- I might want to hang on to this. I might, ha- might have a value. I might have a use for it. So I found this wiry kind of f- mannequin thing that, you know, they used to use in, like, department stores where you dress them, you know. And uh, so it was in a junk pile. 
And I thought, hmm, now that, that you know, bended at the waist, and the arms moved, and the legs and the knees, and I thought, hmm, that's kind of interesting. So what I did is I kept it around the shop. And then one day, um, I always used to wear, well, I still do, blue jeans, and, but I used to, in the wintertime, I'd wear a flannel shirt. And, um, and I wear loafers. I always have. And uh, so one day we were screwing around, and a friend of mine saw it in the back there, and he says, you know, you got to dress that thing up to look like you. And I thought about that for a second. Ha, 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 yeah. And I said, so what are we going to call him? Uh, well, you know, you're a junkyard guy. You're a boneyard guy, so, and your name's Robert, so call him Bob. Boneyard Bob. So I made a name tag. And I put a green flannel shirt on him, and I put blue jeans on him, and I put my flat, my loafers on him. We had to take it apart and kind of, you know, dress him up and kind of bolt all that stuff back together. And then we put a coffee can for a head and a baseball cap that says Ford, obviously. And uh, and he was there for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. And fact, in fact, he used to stand by the doorway in front of my salvage yard. And then when you walk in there, and also I took it one step further. I went and got a when I was doing a demo job. I Took a toilet, a commode. Okay. And uh, so I thought, well, now I got an idea for this one. And I actually started doing this at swap meets. Okay. That's how the whole thing started because I was a swap meet. Somebody left one there one time for some reason. So I grabbed it. And what I did is I took all, because I don't like Chevrolets. Okay. I'm not really a Mopar guy either, but I really don't I have it out for Chevrolet, General Motors. So I put Chevrolet valve covers in there, uh, Chevrolet parts. And then on the front of the commode, I wrote, get your crap here. Nice. Like that. Yeah. Yes, I do. But this actually just gave me an idea. Do you still have Bob? I sure do. He's, okay, then occasionally we've done this here on the show. If you've listened to us in the past, you've had shows where you've called in from an undisclosed location. If you're oh, out in an event. yeah. So Bring Boneyard Bob in here. Put ex- him in the office. Exactly. What we do is... Wait a minute. We might have done that once. I don't... Well, I want to keep doing it, though. So what we should do is, for those of you, for those of you new to the program, it, we always stream on Facebook and YouTube on on Robert's account. Yes. So there's always there's always a live video. If you're, if you're near a computer and you want to watch the show, you can, aside from listening to us on the radio. So if Robert's doing a show from a... Uh, Different location. We get a Boneyard Bob sitting in the studio, filling in for you while you're uh, while you're on location. While I'm on location. Okay, yeah, that's 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 it's a, a, that's it's a, a good, good idea. backup plan. It's a good backup plan. Absolutely. We always have to have a contingency plan. Exactly. Plan A doesn't work. You go to Plan B, Plan C, so on. So on that note, talking about contingency plans. This what, is Boneyard Bob is your Plan B for when you're not physically here. When I'm not physically here, we'll just put him over the corner here. He can sit in there next to uh, Scooby Doo. Exactly. Yeah, we have Scooby Doo on the side. I should have Boneyard Bob on this side. All right, Perfect. there we go. Perfect. Perfect. That that. Now we have a pro. Now you're talking. That's the ticket? Yeah. Yeah, man. All right, so go ahead and fire up the stereo, and let's get the next song going, and then let's get our guest on the show, because he's, I'm sure he's anxiously awaiting. All right. He's actually in the same time zone as we are. That's usually, you know, we always That's a rarity. That's a rarity, yeah. Usually we have somebody in in a different time zone. So anyway, uh, this song is... Man, my memory went bad. Money Talks. Money Talks by J.J. Cal. J.J. Cal and Clapton were, were buddies, and J.J. Cal used to write a lot of, a lot of songs. And, uh, and, and, and he was just kind of a real casual kind of, you know, musician. And, uh, and Clapton uh, got a hold of some of those songs, became buddy buddies, like Cocaine was one of them, and uh, Call Me the Breeze, and took it to the next level. So anyway, so here's a little J.J. Cal, Kale, and the name of the song is Money Talks, right? So as he drops that needle... 
carefully in the groove as that turntable spinning around and around and around and around and around. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and we'll be right back. Concord Delegates, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Wow, that was a good one. Ah, I've got to pull over. I'm getting past. All right, hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm back. And uh, yeah, I'm still your show host, Robert. Anyway, time to introduce our special guest. We were talking a little bit earlier. I mentioned the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix. Well, the gentleman coming on the show right now is the communications director and more for the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix. I'm delighted to welcome the show this evening, Bernie Martin. Bernie, how are you? I'm wonderful. I was, I was listening to you talking there a little bit, and you said you're still pondering coming to the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix? Well, I no. thought we had you locked in on that. Well, I'm locked in. I'm locked in. I'm locked in. Well, I always have to say kind of, you know, I don't know. I shouldn't do that. I should be definitive, right? And I'm saying, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. All right, so now you have to make sure that I get there. So I want to put the burden on you. But I will be there, yes. So tell us about, the, well, first of all, tell us who B- uh, Bernie Martin is. We don't know who Bernie Martin is. Bernie's my new best friend, so Bernie, tell everybody who you are. Uh, well, I'm the communications director for the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix. Um, I my background is actually in manufacturing, so I launched brands within the metal cutting manufacturing industry, uh, primarily in uh, products that fit in uh, uh, aerospace defense, uh, racing components. Um, but I'm the uh, founder of the Italian car show at the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix, and this year I'm 
has the distinct honor of being the Mark of the Year chairperson, and Ferrari is our Mark of the Year, and uh, also uh, assisting as Spotlight chairperson. Our Spotlight this year is Hainos Motorcars. And then, obviously, we have a bit of a Ford Ferrari thing going on. So the first weekend, as you mentioned, is the SAC convention, SAC 48, Shelby America, will be here uh, for our first weekend in our historic races. So and it's a bit busy. Go ahead. Oh, so where would you like me to continue? How much more would you like to know? Oh, everything. We have a we have a whole forty five minutes here. We got a, or now we're down to uh, thirty one, and change and counting. Okay, so let me ask you this. Okay, well, so we should probably we should probably talk about the the kind of the Grand Prix because I'm sure a lot of people haven't heard of it. Yes, talk about uh, the Grand Prix. So. We, Western PA actually has a long history of motorsports. And today, a lot of people think of us as, you know, well, it's the Steelers, it's the Pirates, it's the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we're known for those sports teams. But actually, we have a long history of motorsports dating back to the turn of the last century. We were, uh, where Shenley Park is, is in Oakland, which is where the universities are. Um, there's 14 universities in the area. Oakland is the third biggest city in Pennsylvania. It's uh, behind Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, and you can see Pittsburgh from Oakland. Um, we had, uh, back in the 1890s, there's an area called the Shenley Oval. And in the Shenley Oval, we had motorcycle racing and motorsports racing, as well as um, horse racing. So it's a long tradition going back. We have we featured one of the first dirt tracks was here in uh, Pittsburgh for NASCAR. Actually, that dirt track at Heidelberg Raceway is the place where um, the first father's son finished uh, first and second place, and it's Richard Petty and his father back in 1959. So a long tradition of motorsports here in Pittsburgh, and that's why we have this. So this is our 41st year of running the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix, and we're the longest-running vintage race on city streets in North America. Uh, second only, we're told, to Monte Carlo. The Monte Carlo stores have been doing it longer. And that what started as a one-day event, uh, has grown into a 10-day motorsports festival. It, it started at uh, the Shenley Park event, which is which is the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix piece of it. And that stuff that is, you know, prior to, like, let's call it 1972-73, uh, once you get past that, the, the cars are too big and too fast uh, for the, you know, the, the roads are crowned, there's runoff, there's hay bales, there's 300-foot drop-offs, there's curbs, there's stone walls, there's switchbacks. Um, yeah, it's a pretty complex technical course, Shenley Park. Shenley Park is a kind of a 1920s, 1930s era road course, for lack of a better description. Uh, it, it's what your grandfather raced, your grandfather's grandfather in some cases. Um, well, it's old school street racing, you know, after World War One, before World War Two. So basically, we're talking. This is on on regular when there's not a race going on. These are regular streets used by regular people every day. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Shinley, Shinley Park um, was actually one of the first parks in the country. Uh, it, it's a, it's an incredibly interesting story. You want to talk about a saga? Uh, Mary Shinley ran off when she was 14 years old with a 45 year old sea captain to England which didn't make her parents happy. Um, but he died. She inherited a whole bunch of stuff. 
And when she was getting older, a gentleman named Henry Bigelow <clears throat> uh, decided that it would be good to create something for the citizens of the community uh, on Sundays to take a break. So Shenley Park, uh, it, it, he, he actually sent somebody, there were a bunch of investors who wanted to build housing. And they went to New York. He got wind of it. He sent some people by train to Montreal. They beat, her, they beat uh, the investors to England by two days, told Mary Shenley that uh, they had a deal for her. And she um, donated part of the park to Shenley, uh, or I'm sorry, to the city of Pittsburgh. And uh, that created the park, and the premise of the park was so that uh, the cars, because this is the advent of motor cars, they could promenade through there, and people could picnic and see the cars as they promenaded through the park. So strong, rich history of motorsports here and cars. Um, what started that day, or that first year, 1983, um, the Triumph Club came through and said, well, this looks like a really cool place. Can we kind of have a tailgate party here? And that led to 59 other car clubs thinking that's a really terrific idea. So now we're purportedly, according to Jalopnik, the eighth largest car show in the world. We really? get under 4,000 cars. Yep. We get the, there's 17 individual car shows, all segmented by country of origin and then mark. So if you want to see a British car show, um, you know, there's a, there's a Jaguar concourse. There's a, there's a TVR group. There's a Lotus group. There's a Bentley Rolls Royce group. There's a Triumph group. There's an Austin Healey group. Um, we, as you move down, there's an area called German Hill. And German Hill is on turn uh, 13 of the course. And so that's, you know, a couple hundred BMWs, a couple hundred Volkswagens, a couple hundred Minis. Porsche has its own show. Mercedes has its own show. Audi has its own show. There's an Asian show. And the Asian show, you know, is... is pretty much every Asian brand. Then you get into the American shows. There's there's seven different Corvette clubs that participate. There's uh, a whole Ford display this year. Uh, Panos is our spotlight car. Um, Don Panos actually has a bit of history in Pittsburgh. He, he went to Duquesne University here and uh, was a pharmacist when he started Myelin Lab. Um, it kind of, if, if people aren't familiar with Panos, uh, they they went racing at Le Mans, and then uh, Danny, his son, who's been coming, started uh, Panos Motorcars, and they won their class at Le Mans. They created one of the very first hybrid cars, reportedly the first one. Uh, they were making cars for uh, prior to the Lara for IndyCar. So we're going to have 11 cars from that museum here uh, with, with Danny Panos and that whole group. Uh, we get over to uh, the rest of the American stuff. There's a, and we have old Cobras that are coming. And the Shelby Convention, as we talked about, or you mentioned, uh, is the first weekend. So Peter Bach's going to be here. Uh, we've got a number of significant cars coming in. They're going to be on the track. So you've got Shelby's on the track. You've got Ferraris. It's kind of a Ford versus Ferrari year for us. Uh, and Ferrari, we have, uh, it's really an honor of Luigi Canetti and the Nort folks. And Nort really has a tremendous history. They're, 
Uh, Luigi Canetti Sr. won three Le Mans races uh, and actually started back in the 30s racing for Enzo Ferrari. And uh, in 1946, he went to Enzo Ferrari because that's when Ferrari started. And he said to me, he says, you know, I know a lot of people in the United States. Let me be a broker. Let me set up a distribution channel for you. And he started doing that and selling cars and brokering them in the United States. In 1949, at the very first Le Mans, uh, against Enzo Ferrari's wishes, uh, he ran a 166mm and won Le Mans overall. And if you go to the Cortile website, and that's the Italian portion of the 17 shows, it's Cortile Pittsburgh, there's a wonderful article about uh, that I co-wrote with uh, Luigi Canetti Jr. Um, about uh, his father and Ferrari and uh, Nart as Mark of the Year. In 1965, uh, Nart was the, was the last time prior to a few weeks ago that Ferrari won at Le Mans. And uh, that was actually with the Nart car, too. So the, the Nart racing and the distribution channel that was set up uh, is often credited with, if you've seen... Uh, if you've seen the uh, Rush movie, do you recall the Rush movie that uh, uh, about racing in the seventies? Familiar, but with, I haven't seen with it James, <laughs> with, with James Hunt and yes. those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that really, uh, as the story goes, that was really funded by uh, uh, Ferrari of Philadelphia, as it's called today. But the sales of Ferraris in the United States helped fund that racing team, and. So we have a nice tie-in here with the North American racing team being pretty influential in motorsports. So that's kind of the overview of our uh, event. There's 10 days of stuff, um, two race weekends that bookend the event. But why don't you ask me some questions because I'm sure I'm glossing over a whole bunch of stuff and, and tell me which direction would you think your listeners would like to know more about. Well, basically, you've kind of touched on it a little bit there. And uh, so the what because it's a 10-day event, so give us a kind of an idea of how this is spread. First of all, let me ask you this. So, you, so Oakland is the third largest city in Pennsylvania. And in terms of population, where's Oakland, where's Pittsburgh, and where's Philadelphia? Well, um, Pittsburgh is in southwestern Pennsylvania. And to go to Philadelphia, you have to cross over the Appalachian Mountains, and it's on the complete other side of Pennsylvania, so you're about 600 miles away. Okay, so population-wise? I don't know the population off the top of my head. Um, Philadelphia is the largest city in Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh is the second largest city. And Oakland is the third largest city. But Oakland is actually, I can... Uh, so, do you remember the show Hill Street Blues? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's called The Hill. Uh, that's Pittsburgh. So you have a, a convergence of two rivers that form the three rivers in the head of the Ohio. And there's a hill... It's a little bit further up from that point. And on the other side of that hill is Oakland. So that that hill from Hill Street Blues was actually written by some uh, students at the University of Pittsburgh. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, so, go ahead. So Oakland has 14 universities. And uh, it's 
it's this it's really a center for all kinds of uh, intellectual knowledge uh, there was robotic stuff that was developed here the first hummers the first robotic hummers were built at Carnegie Mellon's robotics lab here uh, we're the center for autonomous vehicles right now in the world so a lot of people think of Pittsburgh as a steel town we've moved past that many years ago we were a technology hotbed biotech research um, it's 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 an amazing community in that sense. It's a, a ton of research. When everybody was vying for the Facebook and the Google places, they already have a really strong presence here because we have 14 universities literally in Oakland. So are most of the universities, would you say they're technical-oriented technical and, uh, and, and science, or what is, because that, that's kind of, I wanted to get a little bit in, in, into that a little bit, is talk a little bit about the Pittsburgh area and the Oakland area, and kind of like, you know, like we talked about our, uh, earlier, is, you know, the industry, because, you know, like you said, you, you hear Pittsburgh, you think, all right, it's just another big steel town, but a lot of people don't realize that the steel has, act, and I can tell you from the wrecking yard business, that stuff's not going on up there anymore. We're not even recycling steel as much as we you and we're not mining steel like we used to back in the day. So technology is kind of where it's at. So shed some light where on we, that. Go ahead. So where we had all the steel mills on Second Avenue along the river, which is just below Oakland, mm-hmm. um, is now an area called the Entertainment Technology Complex, which uh, the ETC is part of Carnegie Mellon University. And if you've watched an animated movie, 95% of the people doing the animation work are probably coming from that ETC program. Interesting. Because they they bring all these disparate groups together that have, you know, you have animation people, you have artists, you have theater people, you have people doing, you know, body uh, animatronic type stuff. Um, and they're all down there at uh, CMU. And so that's that's where the steel mills used to be. Okay. Um, it, the, the steel, steel uh, left here in the 70s. We had suffered from tremendous unemployment. And there was a group of people here that said, we need to become a tech center. And it took 50 years to do that. And, and we are a tech center now. But we also have, uh, you know, as I said, Carnegie Mellon University literally uh, is bumping right up against the University of Pittsburgh. There's Tarlow College. There's Chatham College. I mean, you literally are overlapping school buildings. They leapfrog each other. That's how they grow. So the universities are separate universities, but they're literally on different streets or up on the streets from each other. All right. So tell us a little bit about what you what you're kind of involved in, and and some of the uh, um, technology, the aerospace, the materials, and and, and the applications, and and things like that. And you mentioned autonomous, okay, and. Uh, I'm not sure where this is all going down the road and how um, how far um, advanced it is, but when I think of autonomous, obviously, it, would it be fair to say that the autonomous development, and, it's, and we'll use it in automotive application, will be available to Ford, GM, Chrysler, Tesla, Toyota, Honda, Mercedes, BMW? Is it basically... I don't want to use the word generic because that's not it, but it's basically, is it going to be like a standardized system that they're working on? I mean, are you familiar well, with it a little bit, or how does that work? Um, I'm not familiar enough to be able to talk in detail about that. What okay. I can tell you is this. Um, if you've got, a, a part of the reason, again, why Google and Facebook are here 
is because we have a really strong computer science group here. Okay. Like, there's computer comp side people are, are, are very talented here. Um, and there's a lot of programming built around that. So when you think autonomous, think about Caterpillar. Think about mining equipment that needs to go into a mine that can operate autonomously. Okay. Think about over-the-road trucks for LPL, um, where you've got, they don't have to go across country. They're not, let's put it this way, the transportation of plastic cars is probably not going to be autonomous, right? Mm-hmm. But the transportation of, uh, you know, short-haul stuff, uh, you know, 80, 90 miles away, that's going to be a company like Aurora that's here in Pittsburgh. You know, they're making semis that are autonomous and have been developing that. Actually, where uh, Pittsburgh International Race Complex is, which is 13 miles from the Ohio border, um, about an hour outside of Pittsburgh, eh, it's it, 50 minutes outside of downtown Pittsburgh, right from city center. Um, you know, they were doing they were doing all kinds of autonomous research up there. Like, that's the track that they were testing on. Uh, 15 years ago, that's where all the Secret Service were being trained for defensive driving, uh, where our historic races are. People would run out of the woods with weapons. and uh, So the, the track is a, a proper road course. Um, it's uh, Pit Race is, is a 2.78-mile circuit. It's a road course. And, and, and I should say this, you know, if you're not familiar, Pittsburgh is the largest city in Appalachia. And not a lot of people realize that. Like, technically, we're in Appalachia. You know, we're in the Laurel Highlands. Um, so it, it, the roads are quite conducive to, to really cool driving. It's funny, I went to Spa, and I'm driving, you know, through Spa in the Ardennes and, uh, uh, for a Formula One race. And every, it was completely familiar. Like, like, this is what I drive in all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Spa, for our listeners, is a racetrack in Belgium. Okay, so I just want, in case they weren't, and they're not real familiar with it, but anyway. So you're saying that the scenery in Belgium there is very similar to Pittsburgh, your home area. Yeah. Okay. So the the the, the beginning race, which is the, the uh, historic races, which is where the Shelby meet is going to be. Tell us, give yeah. us a little background history on that track again. I think you mentioned it. You touched on it a little bit. So, yeah, yeah. So, it, go so, ahead. so is that basically like a track that's built, that's been there, and now they've kind of expanded it, so it's got paddocks, it's got uh, um, warehousing on the property, and you're saying that they're, they, that's the actual track that they use for, let's just say, um, automotive development. In this particular case, you're talking a little bit about autonomous development. And, well, and so they were. They were. Now the track has become quite quite popular. Oh, okay. The Wilson, the Wilson circuit that's that's there, um, is one of the premier training places. Let's put it uh, this way: you can go up there during the week and be at the Wilson circuit, and you may see a NASCAR driver with his kid, because it's it's one of the great karting courses there. Oh, really? It's the karting Wilson circuit. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it's a it's a. But it is a proper road course. You can break it up and split it into two. And each year, the, the Stouts, who uh, are wonderful people who own the course, keep adding more buildings and growing it. And they host events pretty much all season. 
every weekend and during the week. Like, it's gotten that busy. So as they keep improving the course, um, more and more people come to, to, to it. So there was a whole MotoGP series there that comes in. Um, NASA comes in for racing. So quite a bit of racing series. You mentioned that the name of the course is the Wilson Circuit. That's the name of it? Well, no, no. The Wilson Circuit is the go-kart course. Oh, okay. That's on at Pittsburgh International Race Court Complex. Okay. Now, is that that's not also somewhat quasi country club oriented, is it? It is not. No. Okay. No. It is not a, a live on you know private club. This is a it's a proper course. This is like Mid Ohio. This is you know. Um, it's a proper race course. Okay, and how how long is the track? How long is the course? Uh, two point seven eight miles. Okay, that's a good course. That's nice, and it's very technical, like you said, right? And twisty and topos and all that good stuff. Yeah, there, there's a lot of topographical changes, but you know, as is Shenley. So you know, for comparative purposes, um, pit race is two point seven eight. Shenley's two point three three. Um, Shenley has twenty two turns and seventeen elevation changes. Now the so that my listeners understand the historic races is one style of event, and the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix is another style of racing. So why don't you go ahead and and kind yeah, of define so, the differences so they understand? Yeah, here's the simple thing. So you know, once you get the ground effects cars, if we try to take a Rolex car around there with ground effects, um, first of all, the roads are crowned in the middle, and they're crowned so that snowfall and rain and snow melt can run off. Mm -hmm. So right in the middle of the road, there, there's the higher peak, right? Right. The Rolex cars will get stood up on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're not, yeah. They're not touching the ground. And, and when they are touching the ground, we have to weld manhole covers down on them. We have to weld the manhole covers because they get sucked off. Sucked off, as you're saying. Um, yep. Yeah. So if you think of it as the cars that are too big and too fast for Shenley Park, because it's an old-style circuit. Right. That's the stuff that races at the historic. That's not to say that we don't have older cars racing in the historic, but it, it, it's a place for the older cars. And, and keep in mind, you know, you can get vintage places 25 years old, and we're in the 90s at that point. So, you know, if you go from the 70s to the 90s, those cars need a home. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we want, and people want to race them. So that's where they're going. So they go that's to the historics. Yes. And then the vintage is at Shenley Park. And I think sometimes that's a misnomer because, you know, we say the Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix, and it's a race, but it's evolved into a 10-day motorsports festival. So we have, an, in between those weekends, you know, like the first weekend that Friday night at the Historics, we have a black tie and tailpipe. It's a black tie event. Um, on the Monday night after the historic, we have an invitational car show of 120 cars in an area called Walnut Street, which is shady side. It's called. It's, it's it's very close to Oakland, you know, near Pittsburgh as well. And that's an invitational car show. You may not see those cars anywhere else. Tuesday, we have a waterfront car cruise. So think 750 cars, um, and like an American car cruise. Wednesday, we're in downtown Pittsburgh. So if you've seen pictures of downtown Pittsburgh with the U.S. Steel Building and PPG Place, the big glass um, architectural 
kind of masterpiece of mirrors. Um, it looks like a uh, a castle that uh, that we have, we have a show there from ten until two during the day on Wednesday and Wednesday night. We we cross the bridge from Oakland, cross the Monongahela River to the other side, and we have the tune-up party. And that tends to attract more hypercars. You're going to see Lamborghini and McLaren and Pagani. Uh, Thursday, we have a countryside tour that's mainly British stuff and open top, you know, the spiders that are driving up into the Laurel Highlands today. And Thursday night, we go north to the Pittsburgh Butler Airport, and we have a hangar party called the Passport to Elegance. This year, we're going to have one full hangar of Ferraris uh, and, and classic and vintage planes. And that hangar, actually, that we're in is where Amelia Earhart uh, got her flying license. Wow. And Butler, uh, Butler County, which is the county just north of Allegheny County, where Pittsburgh is, that's where the Jeep was invented. That's where American Van Ham was. So the Jeep was literally created here in Pittsburgh. So there's a big Jeep festival that happens in June every year here. So there's quite a bit of automotive stuff that we have going on. Well, the, the history, like you said, I mean, and I wasn't aware of all that stuff. It's very, very, very interesting. It's very rich in history. And it's, uh, that's what kind of, you know, makes it. See, the thing is, is like a lot of times, you know, you have the car events. And I always thought what was really interesting is when, and, and, and they well thought out, is when it's in an area that there's more than just the car stuff. Because the car stuff is fine, you know, and we get that. But, you know, you want, you want to kind of... The, the event to be kind of informative, educational, and you want it to be an experience. So when you go someplace and, and there's more to just the racing and there's all this peripheral stuff that's going on and the peripheral information, the history, that to me makes the whole event just uh, a, a phenomenal experience. And, and you've highlighted that. And, that. and you kind of did what I was looking for you to do, which was kind of like a play-by-play, day-by-day thing. So that's that's very good. Um, the well, I think if you if you come to it, I mean every every like we race turn six on this course is Phipps Conservatory. It's a Victorian era. It's Phipps Conservatory and, and Arboretum. It's it's, it's the Victorian um, uh, glass enclosed spiral top uh, Arboretum. It's a greenhouse. Yes, <laughs> that's turn six. You know, as you go through turn seven and eight, um, Carnegie Mellon University, uh, Baker Hall is right there. Baker Hall has a piece of architecture when you walk into it. It's a self-supporting staircase. People come from around the world just to look at this staircase as architects to figure out how it's engineered because there's no support in this huge spiral that's built there. And it's built in place. And then you get to turn nine. Turn nine is it's called the Westinghouse Pond. So George Westinghouse, you know, Westinghouse Electric, you've, yes. heard, you know, yes, yes, you've yes. ridden the train, you've seen a train, that's Westinghouse, right? Right. Um, his, his employees created a bronze statue there with a, a lily pad pond for him in the 30s, I want to say, late 20s, 30s. So it's a homage to George Westinghouse. And that's actually uh, where the Italian car people watched the race from at turn nine. So as you go around this, as an example, the Ferrari Club of Ohio has rooms at a place called Mansions on Fifth. And, and there's 28 rooms with two old mansions that have been converted to kind of a B&B. Not really, but it's more of a hotel. 
And it, 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 the history of just that facility, which is quarter mile from the track, it's a couple blocks away, um, has its own history. <laughs> yeah, it, there's just a lot to see here. It, it's, it, we're, you know, we're old. It's, we're an old steel town with a rich history of innovation and things that started here. So when you come to it, if you want to literally walk down the street, you can go to the Carnegie Museum. So if you remember the, uh, uh, the what's the movie with uh, the, the guy, oh, my God, I'm trying to remember it, where he, he was putting the moss in there and uh, Jodie Foster was in it. Oh, The Silence of the Lamb. And, and Deer Hunter was also filmed there as well. Yeah, Deer Hunter was right down the street. Actually, we have a big movie production. There's quite a bit of movies produced here. But if you want to go to that museum, the largest insect collection in the world is a 10-minute walk from or nine. Wow. <laughs> right. So there's, a, there's quite a bit to see. So you can, if, if you're a car person and your spouse isn't, there's tons of stuff for them to do here as well. We are just about up against the clock there, Bernie. So why don't you, for the purposes of our listeners, tell us, uh, give us all the social media and all the information and the website and everything that they can uh, visit. And, Absolutely. Uh, so the website is the first letter of each word of Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix. So pvgp.org. We're, and we're a... Uh, we're not for profit. We're a five hundred one c three, and we've been raising money for autism and autism charities since we started. So Myron Cope, the inventor of the terrible towel that people wear with games, is actually that the, if you buy a terrible towel, it goes to our charity. Oh wow! Yeah, so we, a- we've been raising money for that for you know forty one years. When nobody was talking about autism in the eighties, we were. Well, Bernie, I want to thank you very much. I do look forward to meeting you. I do plan on being up there. And uh, and, I have uh, one last thing. Sure. I have one last thing that I would encourage you to do. If you can't make it, if if people can't make it, then watch our YouTube channel. We're going to be streaming on July 22nd and 23rd live. So you can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on Facebook. You can watch it on Racing Junk. Excellent. see it live. Excellent. Well, I will be there, and I will be taking pictures, Excellent. and you and I will be hanging out. So, Bernie, thank you very much. I want to thank my special guest, Communications Director for the Pin- Pittsburgh Vintage Grand Prix. Bernie, take care, and I will see you then. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye now. Bye-bye. Hey, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in. Don't forget, every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. right here on the Tan Talk Radio Network for the most legendary and fascinating names in motorsports. Get out there. Drive your cars. If you can make it to Pittsburgh, it's only one, I think, on a six, seven-hour flight. In the meantime... Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family.